Amen. Go ahead and get in your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I uh, should uh, have one of those little yellow papers, and that's really for the end of class. Uh, it gives you an opportunity to turn in any questions you might have. And uh, whether you put a question on there, just some snide remark, uh, just uh, turn one in. That way everybody has true anonymity. And uh, just set them in a pile up there. And uh, you should end up getting a survey too. And those you can turn in uh, next week. And then through the course of the next 12 weeks while we're in here, I'll be uh, referring uh, to that uh, off, and, off and on. Uh, there are a lot of things we don't have in common this morning. Uh, we're not the same age. Uh, we don't have the same background. Uh, we're not at the same place in life. Uh, we don't have the same personality types. Our children don't have the same personality types. Our children are not the same age. There's a lot of things we don't have in common. But one of the things we do have in common is really, really powerful, and that is the love uh, that we have for our children and the desire we have to see them, see them succeed. Um, but in our culture today, it will take more than love and dreams and good intentions uh, to become, to help our children become prepared for life and eternity. You know, listen, everybody, uh, 99% of people that walk down a, a marriage aisle uh, love each other and have good intentions to have a good marriage. Uh, 50% of those end in divorce. Uh, same thing uh, with parenting. I mean, you, you can go to any parent anywhere you find, and they will deeply love their child, and they will intend for their child to succeed and do well in life. And, and yet that doesn't happen very often because it takes more than just love and, and good intentions. In fact, there should be nothing more important in our lives than first God and then our spouse and then our children when it comes to the way we prioritize our life. But even though probably sitting in a church that we might say that we prioritize and look at our life like that, you know, that isn't really how we schedule our time. That's really not how we do things, unfortunately. And, um, but even though that's not the way we handle our schedule, I mean, parents have a lot of passion for their kids. I mean, that's why they care um, who their teachers are. That's why they care how much playing time they get on the team. That's why they care uh, how they perceive them to be treated by adults and, and other children. And, and I'm not critical of us being passionate as parents, we should be. What I would be critical of is when we're so passionate for our children that we don't take an honest look at who they are and who they're not. Listen, you and I, no one ever effectively parents their children unless we have a good handle on who they are, what they're good at, and who they're not, and what they're bad at. And, and if you uh, have so much passion as a parent that you can't see clearly those things, you'll never uh, effectively parent your children. Um, I believe that how we prioritize uh, the faith in the life of our child is one of the two most important indicators of how uh, deep our own faith is. You want to see how deep your faith is? If you really want to face it, number one, how do you handle your money? Number two, how do you handle your children? It is a very different thing to suffer yourself for your faith than to lead and encourage your child to make decisions that will cause them to suffer for their faith among their peers. 
And if you really want to know how deep your faith is, those two things are uh, the best indicators. And as we think about this class and our subject of parenting, the key question is really this. Does God know more than we do about what will produce a better life uh, for our child? That's the key question. See, if God really does know more about what will produce a better life for our child than we do, and, and he does, then we got to look to him for guidance and trust his plan. And over the next 12 weeks, uh, from a biblical perspective, you know, I, I plan on teaching on parenting, uh, principles for parenting, you know, how to have less drama in, in our homes. And uh, the fact of the matter is, is that God is the creator. He's our creator. And he makes the rules. And, and he knows what works in life. He knows what he blesses in life and what he blesses in eternity. And so we need to seek his mind in this. And so each week we'll cover some biblical principles. Uh, each week we'll give you an opportunity to turn in questions at the end of each class. And then starting next week probably, you know, I'll start answering questions at the beginning of each class, you know, to, to apply uh, what we've talked about and, and, you know, and things from the survey that, I, that we passed out. Uh, for those of you who don't uh, know me, uh, I've been married for 34 years. Yesterday was our anniversary. Uh, we raised three boys. Uh, they're 32, 30, and 28 now. Uh, we just had our first two grandchildren last month. Uh, some of you have easy children to parent. Some of you have children that are more difficult. Uh, all three of our boys were a challenge. Uh, they were tough kids to raise, uh, especially two of them. Uh, and so, uh, I mean, Sometimes it was hard, and, and I'm not going to stand here and say, you know what, hey, our kids did everything perfect. They didn't. We, we went through some difficult times, and uh, by the grace of God, they're all saved. By the grace of God, they're all in church and serving the Lord, uh, and, and I'm thankful uh, for that. Uh, before that, uh, I was a youth pastor, youth leader for 20 years. I was a large youth ministry, I mean, over 100 teenagers. Uh, I'm a people watcher. Um, you might not be, but I, I watch how people handle things and how it turns out. And I watched all kinds of people. Saw some things that I thought, wow, you know, that's really, really awesome. You know, because even though I was uh, raised in a good home, my mom and dad stayed together, it wouldn't be what I would describe as a Christian home. And so when I got saved at age 24 and we became parents and she got saved, she was 23, uh, you know, we didn't know. We were watching people, reading books. And I saw some things that were awesome, saw some things that made me sad. I saw some things from time to time that even made me angry. Uh, plus, I'm a reader. Uh, in our bookstore, there's uh, 14 books on parenting uh, in there. I've read 13 of them. I, there's one in there I haven't read. There's over 50 biographies uh, in there. I've read all of those. Uh, I'm a people watcher. I, you say, why? Well, I, I want to help people. Um, I, I really think it's always crazy when we think that certain things turn out this way for everybody else and it's going to turn out differently for me. You know, uh, I don't want to get too soon old and too late smart. You know, there, there's people who live their life the hard way and they learn every life lesson the hard way. I don't want to be like that. And, uh, and so I keep my eyes open. And so I want to help you. I don't know everything. 
uh, I'll be the first to tell you that. Um, I do have a sincere desire to help you, though. And uh, our boys, uh, they're very similar in some ways and, and very, very different in others. But these biblical principles apply uh, to all, uh, all children. How many people here have heard of Benjamin Spock, Dr. Benjamin Spock? If you have any secular education in uh, psychology or parenting or child-rearing, he is like the guru. He wrote the most famous secular book on this subject. He wrote it in 1946, sold over 50 million copies. It's translated into 39 languages. And uh, in Christian circles, what he wrote, it would be just widely regarded as being contrary to biblical principles for parenting. But even though he died in, in the late 1990s, I mean, what he wrote and the things he taught, they're very pervasive uh, in our culture. And here's an interesting question. Where Dr. Benjamin Spock differs in how he tells us to parent our children than how God teaches us to parent in our, chil- our children, who should we believe? And that's the real issue. See, the average American parent today, they don't even know what God said. And so they follow parenting principles by academics that have nothing to do with how our Creator taught us that human beings and family and culture is supposed to function. You know, the fact of the matter is, is I never considered our children, and I would suggest that you not consider your children social or academic experiments. We need to find and get on a proven path. You know, I think one of the worst ways to live your life is to someday put your head in your pillow and look back and say, I wish I would have, and then you fill in a blank. I mean, wise people, you, you live your life understanding that, you know what, one of the greatest goals in any area of our life, including parenting, is no regrets. Not perfection, no regrets. Uh, There's a story told about children uh, who in the last day of their school, they were bringing their teacher's gifts. And uh, the first boy, his dad was a florist. He brought the teacher a box. She opened the box. It was a nice bouquet of flowers. The second kid that came up was a little girl, and she brought a box. And uh, her parents, they owned the candy store in in town, and the teacher opened the box, and there was a bunch of candy in the box. The third boy uh, came up, his dad owned the liquor store in town, and he handed the teacher a box, and there was some liquid dripping out of the box, and the teacher kind of smiled, and, you know, with her tongue, and put it in the little, oh, is that some wine? The boy said, no. The teacher did it again. It's said, champagne. The boy said, no, and he had a real frustrated look, and he looked at her and said, it's a puppy. You know, when it comes to sampling things and trying them out, you know, I think one of the least wise things to just kind of stick your finger in the air and sample what's out there is how we handle our children. And so what I want to do is over the next 12 weeks, I really, I want to lay down, it's a proven path. It's a biblical path. It's a path from our Creator. Because remember, the key question is, is, does God really know more 
about how I should handle my children than I do or culture does. And I really, I want to encourage you to learn what the Bible teaches about parenting. Give it your best shot. And you know what? I guarantee you, you'll do a good job as a parent. Guaranteed. And that's every one of our heart's desires. should be in your Bible in Deuteronomy uh, chapter 6, beginning in uh, verse 1. Deuteronomy 6.1 says, Now these are the commandments and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whither you go to possess it. Notice the things that God taught he intended for them to do. Verse 2. Uh, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God, to keep all his statutes and his commandments which I command thee, thou and thy son and thy son's sons, all the days of thy life and Uh, that the days may be prolonged. Notice God intended them to keep His commandments and statutes, not just Him, but their children and their grandchildren, thy son and thy son's sons. And notice that keeping these would prolong their days. Verse 3, it says, Hear therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may be increased mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Notice again that when they do what God told them to do, that it would go well with them. Verse 4, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord. Thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart and with all thy soul and with all thy might. These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children shall talk of them when thou sittest in thine house and when thou walkest by the way and when thou liest down and when thou risest up. Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes and thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. And we'll stop there uh, for now. Um, In light of all that God had taught them and promised them, he wanted parents to teach their children some things. Notice those things that were to teach him in verse 6. It says, these words I have commanded thee, this day shall be in thine heart. The first thing is that what they had to teach was supposed to be in them. We'll never teach something that's not first in us. And so when God taught parents to teach their children, he said, first, I want it to be in you what you're going to teach them. Uh, Now, of course, uh, God has in the church gifted Uh, some people, to teach his people. But the first layer of responsibility for teaching is not the church. It's the home. Is the church supposed to teach the people of God the things that Christ taught? Yes, we are. But that's not the first place. The first place is parents teaching their own children. Notice we're taught uh, in verse 7, Thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Uh, This is not a casual thing. Uh, Notice where we're supposed to teach them in the end of verse 7. It says, When thou sittest in thine house, when thou walkest by the way, when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. That's pretty much just throughout the day. By the way, we're teaching our children regularly whether we realize it or not. See, very often we consider instruction something when we sit down with someone and talk about this or that, but the reality of, of, the, of, of the matter is is that we're teaching all day long. 
Uh, They watch what we do and what we don't do, what we say, what we don't say, how we say what we say. All day long, sitting in the house, walking around, we're teaching them. And if we're not careful, we will teach them that the things of God really only matter for an hour a week when we walk into the house of God. And that's not a good lesson to teach. We're told that our children should see the importance of God's Word in our life. Verses 8 and 9, Thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. Have you ever seen in the news of uh, the Orthodox Jews with the black hats? They've got the curly thing down there. Have you ever noticed that they have a little uh, case on their head? And if you ever notice, on the back of their hand, it'll be wrapped with leather. There'll be a little case there. And that's from this verse. And inside that little case, one of the four sections of Scripture that's in their forehead and on their hand is this section from Deuteronomy chapter 6. It was always intended that our children would see the importance of God's Word to us. And by the way, have you ever really thought about this? Uh, How helpless a human baby is compared to every other mammal. (laughs) And for how long they're helpless. And for the lack of instincts that they have. I mean, I'm told, and from what I understand, it's even somewhat debatable, that the only human instinct is to nurse. And there's people that argue about that. I mean, think about that. Human babies are given completely helpless to their parents for a long, long period of time. I mean, think about the human maturity process versus every other mammal, and think about how differently God designed human babies and how much He expected the parents to do versus what He programmed inside them. I mean, you don't have to teach a beaver to chew a tree or to build a dam. It's programmed in them. Human babies, we are to teach them, and parents in particular. God gave us this job. Children don't naturally believe and follow the God of the Bible. They naturally create a God in their own image. Children don't naturally build godly character. They have to be taught. So certainly, if we are going to teach these things, we must know something. Uh, We must make the effort to know something. By the way, I really commend you on being here this morning. You know, the average American parent hasn't read any books on it, doesn't get any counsel on it other than uh, Facebook, and, 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 and... You know, you're here. I commend you on that, at least trying to learn uh, something. Um, Anybody here watch King of the Hill? Ever seen that cartoon? Uh, I I used to like that. We don't watch it anymore, but when our boys were home, we used to watch it. It's a good cartoon, and um, uh, there's a guy on there, a character's name is Lucky. And uh, Lucky is what all of us would call a bum. He's got long hair. Uh, He's really lazy. Uh, He makes his living suing companies uh, that he has accidents at, you know, and that's how he makes his living. And he got married to a guy by the name of Hanks, I think it's his niece, and they had a baby, and he got really worried when they had the baby that 
he didn't know what to teach the baby, and he didn't want the baby to turn out like him. His dad had taught him that the only thing he should ever carry in his wallet is a lucky poker chip. And so it's no surprise that Lucky didn't work. He didn't have a social security number. He didn't have any insurance. He didn't have a driver's license. Nobody taught him, but Lucky, to his credit, when he had a child, decided, you know what, Uh, I need to teach my child something, and I don't know what to teach them. And so he goes to this guy who's a real fuddy-duddy, but he's always the hero. He's a guy by the name of Hank. And, And, you know, the good thing of it is is that no matter where you came from or I came from, We can always learn, and we can always teach things that we weren't privileged to learn when we were younger. I want to encourage you to do that. But before we begin to talk about the most important thing to teach our child, what to teach our child, you know, we have to honestly ask ourselves, how do I teach them? And I kind of hinted at this earlier, but mostly we teach our child uh, most often by example. Um, I I collect phrases. Uh, My favorite phrase of all the phrases I've collected is, is this, what you do speaks so loudly that I cannot hear what you're saying. That's my favorite phrase. Because the primary way we teach our children isn't what we say, it's what we do. We inadvertently teach them day after day. Listen, the the phrase, chip off the old block, or the apple doesn't fall far from the tree. I mean, those phrases, they didn't just pop out of nowhere. Um... We teach them by our example. Have you ever thought about when our example is the most powerful? See, we think our example is the most powerful when we walk into a church. And by the way, that is a part of being a good example to your kids. But you know when our example is the most powerful? When things aren't going our way. When things are difficult. When we're mistreated. You see, because it's then, and you've heard me say this lots of times, people are like caterpillars. When you squeeze them, what's on the inside comes out. And when you squeeze people, what's on the inside comes out. And if we're not careful, we'll teach our children that uh, you shouldn't use uh, uh, profanity unless you're angry. We'll teach our children to be kind to others unless they're unkind to you first. We teach our children to live with integrity unless the mistake is a really big one and they don't know about it. If we're not careful, as they watch us, listen, we are all squeezed with life. We're squeezed with work. We're squeezed in relationships. We're squeezed in so many, many ways. And and what is really inside of us, that's when it comes out. And, And what I want to say to you is, As a parent, your children, uh, more than anybody else, they see what's inside of you when you're squeezed. Not only do we teach most often by our example, we teach on occasional moments when they're open to listening. 
Now, I know some of you are here in anticipation of having a family. Others of you are here and your children are young. And some of you are here and your children are, are, are older. One of the things, if you've not realized this yet, you will realize is that most of the time your child is not open to learning. And, by the way, that's not because you're a bad parent. That's because they're a child. And if you just go back in your own mind and think about yourself, you know what? We weren't open to learning most times. Do you know when we were most open to learning? When we were in trouble? We had some difficulty? Something was going bad? You know, maybe it's not a good goal for a parent to remove all the obstacles and adversity from your child's life. Maybe if you remove too many of the obstacles from their life and too much conflict with other people and too many difficulties and too many times when things don't go their way, maybe what will happen if you do that is you will take away all the opportunities for them to learn when God wanted them to learn. By the way, since they're only open to being taught on occasion, what that means is the more time we're able to spend with them, the better off we are. And by the way, nobody's able to be there 24-7, and that wouldn't even be good if you could. But it is good to be there as much as we can be, because we'll be more likely to be there when those teachable moments arrive. We teach them by example. We teach them in occasional moments when they're open to learning. We teach them by repetition. You ever thought about this? The Bible has a lot of repetition. In fact, key things in the Bible, God repeats over and over and over again because repetition is an important tool for learning. There's some life lessons that we're going to have to teach them over and over and over again. And you know what? In verse 9 there, it says, write these things upon your posts of your house and on your gates. You know, sometimes we're going to actually teach them on purpose. Let me ask you, as a parent, do you have any on-purpose time? Time set aside when you teach your children. Uh, Now, when our children were young, uh, you know, uh, we put them in bed early because I think it's good to have some mom and dad time every evening. Uh, We we would put them in bed at 8 or 8.30, and I would go up and I would pray with them and I would teach them something uh, nearly every night of the week. Not some big lesson, just something. Uh, When they were older and everybody's bedtimes were more scattered, uh, I got everybody up 15 minutes early. He said, well, my kids wouldn't want to get up 15 minutes early to have home Bible study. Well, I didn't do it because they wanted to. We didn't vote. I didn't even ask her to vote. I'm sure most of the time she would have voted yes, but not always. And we'd get up 15 minutes early. We'd sit around the, the table uh, before they left uh, for school. Uh, we would read a little bit in the Bible. And uh, I would speak about something we read uh, that morning for just a couple minutes. On purpose time. Do you have any on purpose time? 
We teach them by example. We teach them in those occasional moments when they're open. We uh, teach them by repetition, and we teach them on purpose at times. So that's how we teach them, but what do we teach them? What is the most important thing? I mean, there's lots of important things. We're going to talk about a lot of different things over the course of the next 12 weeks that we should teach our children. What is the first thing we should teach them? Um, Go up to Deuteronomy chapter 11. At first, you may not agree with this, but I'm going to just ask you to listen for a couple of minutes. Uh, I believe the first thing that we should teach our children is to obey rightful authority. The first thing. Um, I'll tell you why in in a couple minutes, but one of the reasons is is that it's a simple thing to teach. Uh, Remember, this simple issue... Does God know what he's doing? Did God make rules that are actually for our own good? Is God going to hold everybody, including us and our children, accountable? I mean, we all, we're sitting in church this morning, in a biblical church, we all believe the answer to that to be yes. And, and so it's very, very obvious as we begin to think about this, the first thing we ought to teach them is to obey rightful authority. And it's a simple thing to teach, but I'm going to just say this. It's one of the hardest things to teach there is. Say, why? Because we all hate authority other than our own. I mean, uh, obeying rightful authority, I mean, it is just a rub in our own mind and heart. Uh, We just hate it. Our fallen nature just hates it. Even the authority of God, we only accept it until it's different than what we want to do. Notice Deuteronomy chapter 11, verse 26. Behold, I set before you uh, this day a blessing and a curse. A blessing if you obey the commandments of the Lord your God, which I command you this day. So what will happen if you obey the Lord? What will he do? He'll bless. Verse 28. And a curse if you will not obey the commandments of the Lord your God, but turn aside out of the way which I command you this day to go after other gods which you have not known. So if you disobey God, what's that going to bring? Okay, there is not a parent here that doesn't want the blessing of God in your child's life. There's not a parent here who does not want your children to avoid the curse of God in their life. I'm just saying, obeying rightful authority, starting with the authority of God himself, is really, really important. Go up to Ephesians chapter 6. By the way, if God wanted perfection in parents, he'd have had angels raise our kids. He knew none of us would do a perfect job. He picked us anyway. God's not looking for us to do a perfect job at all of this. He's looking for all of us to do a sincerely honest effort with the grace of God to do this. That's what he did when he picked us to teach his stuff and to parent our children. Uh, Ephesians chapter 6, verse 1. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment with promise, that it may be well with thee, and that thou mayest live long in the earth. 
Uh, teach your children to obey you. And notice there's a promise associated with that, longer life. There's not a parent here that doesn't want your child to live longer. Now, I don't know what long is. Long for some might be four. Long for some might be 20. Long for some might be 40. Long for some might be 80. I don't know. I just know this. You will shorten the amount of time that you could have had on this earth dishonoring your parents. And so we need to teach them to obey us. Turn up in your Bible to Hebrews chapter 13. I want, I want my children blessed. Still pray for that all the time. I want our children to live as long as they can live. Hebrews chapter 13, verse 17 says, Obey them that have the rule over you, and submit yourselves, for they watch for your souls, as they that must give an account, that they may do it with joy and not with grief, for that's unprofitable for you. Uh, Teach them to obey leadership in the Lord's church. I mean, obey and submit. I know they're dirty words. But notice that those people, they're supposed to be watching for their souls. You know what I always wanted for my children? I wanted someone in addition to my wife and I watching for their soul. I believe the first and foremost people to watch for the souls of children are their own parents. But God didn't just have parents do that. I wanted Sunday school teachers in their life, children's church workers in their life, master club teachers in their life, teen workers in their life. I wanted a pastor in their life. I wanted them to be able to, all the time when our kids were little, I would point out godly people and say, hey, that's a good person. You know, listen to them. I wanted other people watching for their souls. Obey. Go back to Titus chapter 3. That's what it says in verse 1, Titus chapter 3, verse 1, says, Put them in mind to be subject to principalities and powers, to obey magistrates, to be ready to every good work. I'll teach them to obey proper authorities in the government. Go back a few pages to Colossians chapter 3. And then I'll have five minutes left to summarize. Colossians chapter 3, verse 22. It says, Servants, obey in all things your masters according to the flesh, not with eye service as men pleasers, but in singleness of heart, fearing God. Teach them to obey their boss at work. (laughs) Proper authorities in the workplace. Listen, people in positions of authority, they're not always smarter. They're not always more spiritual. Uh, But there have been people who have been placed in positions by God for the good of our culture, ourselves, and and our children. You could argue that one of the most prominent things in all the Bible is obedience. There's at least two places in the New Testament that talks about obeying the gospel. By the way, that's what you do. Somebody says to you, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved, and you either say yes or no. So there's a certain sense of the word that even obedience is at the root of our our eternal life, even though it's a gift of God through Jesus Christ. 
I know it's not a popular thought. I know it's not a popular subject. I know it's against the grain of our culture. I'm not implying you raise your children to be mind-numb robots. That's, that's really dumb, too. I'm just t- saying this. First and foremost, we've got to teach our children to obey rightful authority, starting with God and you. Now, I've had people say to me that you should teach your children uh, about the love of God first. How many people think the first mention of the love of God is in Genesis? How many people think it ends Exodus? How many people think it's in Leviticus? How many people think it's in Numbers? How many people think it's Deuteronomy? How many people have no idea? You have to go all the way to Deuteronomy chapter 4, verse 37, before God mentions his love toward man. Now listen, God demonstrated it from the very beginning. But you know the first thing that God told man was not, I love you. It was, uh, be fruitful, multiply, uh, don't eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, uh, have dominion over the earth. By the way, if you eat from that tree, you're going to die. Maybe God knew more about where to start than we do. I'm not downplaying the love of God. You could see the love of God on display in creation itself and in God sparing Adam and Eve after their willful defiance. I'm not saying that. I'm just saying, listen, the first thing we should teach our children is to obey rightful authority. Listen, without this quality, our children will never succeed in their relationship with God they will never relate, succeed in any service to God. Um, how can a child who's raised from the womb to do what they want to do and to have this idea that obeying God is a killer to your fun, how does that child uh, have a blessed life? The answer to that is, is they don't unless they repent and change that thinking. Without this quality, our children will never become productive citizens or productive employees. Uh, They will constantly be in trouble in school and with the police. They'll constantly have trouble in marriage and in their home. That is no one's dream for their child. And because this foundational block of raising children is completely absent in our culture, our culture is falling apart. I mean, we live in a culture that first blames the teacher, never the child. That first blames the policeman, never the citizen. That first blames the parent, never, and you can name it. No one ever blames the, the, the person. They always blame the authority. That is backwards. Uh, it was many years ago now, but um, we had picked up a, a, a bunch of uh, children on our buses for uh, vacation Bible school, and in the initial assembly, there was a kid who was just super rowdy, tried to quiet him down and get everything to work out, and he just kept yelling out profanity. I mean, he's just yelling out the F-bomb and, and all this. And we finally, we, 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 we took him out of there and uh, said, listen, you know, we're, we have to, to take you home, and uh, we, we need your name and, and your address, and he wouldn't give it to us. And uh, we said, well, you know, we had some off-duty police officers there. We said, well... If you don't give it to us, we've got some police officers here. We're going to call them in. 
And uh, he wouldn't, and they, we called the police officers in. He wouldn't give them his name or his address. They said, listen, if you don't give me your name or your address, we're going to call the real police. Uh, he wouldn't do that. They called the real police in. Officers, uniformed guys come in, car pulled up. Uh, the police officer said, listen, you know, you've caused all this problems here. We need to take you home. You need to give us your name and address. He wouldn't do it. And they said, listen, if you don't do this, we're going to handcuff you and take you in. And uh, he wouldn't do it. They handcuffed this little boy. He's like 9 or 10. Handcuffed this little 9 or 10-year-old boy, took him into the police uh, station. Uh, When they uncuffed him there, he charged the police officer to hit him. We learned later that his mother and grandmother told him that the police were always out to get him. Don't ever trust them. I don't know where that kid is today, but if he's anywhere other than jail, it's a miracle of God. And it all goes back to this simple thing that he was taught the wrong view of authority. Uh, Next week, we'll talk about how to teach our children to follow and obey rightful authority and how to protect them from rightful authorities that are acting wrongly. Because we have a responsibility in that area too. God didn't give people authority to do what they wanted. God gave people authority to do what he wanted. And remember, our goal as parents, it's all the same. Our goal as parents is not a good kid. Though we want good kids. Our goal is a fully functional, independent adult who believes and loves God. That's our goal. Uh, You should have a yellow piece of paper. Uh, Write any questions you have down on that. Uh, We'll start answering them next week. There's a survey. Uh, You can uh, turn that in next week and just put any surveys you have done and questions in a little pile over there. Uh, God bless you. uh, You're dismissed.